It is good to have you here today. Um, I'm Pastor Joel, and it's an exciting day for us here at Chapel Point. Um, let me go ahead and acknowledge it. When you stand in front of people, people notice certain things. Yes, I am limping. Um, I was at a store having to shop, and I saw somehow this car fell on a baby, and I had to lift the car off the baby. Um, <laughs> that would be so cool if it were only true. I saved the baby's life, and I pulled my calf muscle. No, actually, um, I was pulling a nail out of a baseboard with a hammer, and I pulled my calf muscle um, is what happened. <laughs> it's just like, oh, getting older, right, getting older. Years ago, uh, I was 24 or so years old, about two decades ago, and I've told part of this story before, so I'm going to tell it very quickly today. I thought for some reason it would be really cool to go get a tattoo. And so I woke up and I shaved the same calf muscle that is pulled from saving a baby's life right now. And I shaved and everything else. I already chose the place. This was in North Carolina. I was leading a summer camp there, preaching every day. And I was like, hey, I should go get a big oak tree, all this stuff. Possibly you remember the story. And I left early on a Saturday morning. It was about an hour away where I was going to go to this tattoo parlor. And I wanted to go get this tattoo of this big oak tree. And as we're driving up, after leaving and driving for that hour, I pull up and I'm going, what's going on? And there's smoke coming from the building as fire trucks pull away. And the, the building had burned down the night before. At that point, I heard the voice of God saying, do not get a tattoo. And so I didn't get a tattoo that day, and I haven't since, actually. Maybe some of you have them. Tattoos are interesting because tattoos, you get them on, everybody says, if, if someone doesn't like a tattoo, they say, well, you know that it, it, it doesn't go away, right? Have you, anybody heard that before? Like, every kid who's at least 17 years old has heard from a parent at some point, you know that it's permanent. You know that that's not, like, just going to be wiped off someday. And it's interesting because you see those pictures of people who get tattoos that they wish that they didn't get. And some tattoos are pretty cool, I think. And you look at them, you, just a symbol of them. And I've got a friend who got one of their son's name who had passed away. And just all types of things just to remember them by. Um, so this isn't a sermon about tattoos. What this is, though, it, it's a sermon about words. Because here's what we have failed to remember as a society. Is that our words last just as long. It's permanent. And we're so cautious when it comes to, hey, what do I want to put on my arm, right? My arm right here says mom. Not really. I'm saying like if you're, you know, you see that sometimes. Or, or you get a tattoo of a picture of something or, or whatever it is and you go, I want this for the rest of my life. And we fail to remember, we fail to recognize our words last just as long. And they sit with you and you remember them. You remember when someone looks at you and they look and they say, I hate you. Or they look at you and say, I regret marrying you. Or they look at you and say, I wish we never would have met. Other words that you hear, right, would be um, things such as, I no longer want to be with you. You're just not smart enough. You need to do something else. 
Maybe it's the words, oh, you lost a game for us. And we think that we say those words and that then they just fade away into the air and, and we never see them again and maybe we don't see them physically, right? But they sit on us and we remember those. I remember words from decades ago, things that people spoke to me. Things that were powerful, things that really encouraged me and pushed me forward and other things that really has caused angst in my life in previous years. Because any single time I would think and I would make a mistake, I would go, well, maybe they were right. Maybe they were right in what they said about me. And we, we process this. Our words matter. And so here we are. We're in this book, uh, this series called James, and we're jumping in. It's talking about moving forward in our faith. And he comes here to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Now, today is going to be a little bit briefer of a message because we have a wonderful opportunity to step outside in a moment and rub our hands together and breathe really heavy to create heat. So I'm going to jump in, and I know that I'm going to do a continuation of some of this next week and talking about our words and the power of the tongue. But James is writing to believers, right? He's writing to believers who have been scattered throughout the area, and he's saying, guys, your words matter. You're not being careful in what you say. They have lasting impact. What are you doing? You don't think that they matter, but right? A tongue is like just a spark, and it can create a huge fire, a forest fire. That's one of the examples. We're going to see that. And James is letting them know, guys, you can't forget your words matter. Not just words of discouragement, but also words of encouragement. Words that sharpen, words that thrust forward, words that move people forward. Often we don't process how quickly our words tear others down. So I want to read through some passages of Scripture for you before I jump into James. Uh, maybe you want to, to jot these down very quickly. You can go back to them later this week. Uh, parents, you can tell them to your children to, tell, uh, to, to use it as a weapon, right? Um, Proverbs 16, 28, it says this, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife, and gossip separates the best of friends. Now, this is a New Living Translation, but I loved listening and reading that. In the ESV, which we typically use, Proverbs 18, 21, Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. If you don't recognize how important the tongue is, uh, write down Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, what you see here is through Paul, God is listing the various types of sinners. And here are some things that he's talking about. The sexual, immoral, the murderer, and the gossiper. He bunches them all together. We don't see the significance of our words and the power of our words and what we're saying to other people. But here when talking about this and developing and showing this list of sinners here in Romans chapter 1, what you see is, wow, all it is is gossipers right out there after murder. And you're going, really? Yes, really. That's the significance of it. That's what we see. Proverbs 17, 4. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. One of the things that you'll recognize that James is, I believe, trying to communicate, it's not only what you're willing to speak that matters, it's also what you're willing to listen to.
It's not only what you're willing to speak that matters. It's also a matter of what you're willing to listen to. I'm saying it because I think we always speak about the words and the power of our words and what that matters. People say, you know, actions speak louder than words. We talk about that. Then we talk about sticks and stones may break my bones. Words never hurt me, which is so untrue, by the way. It's, very, it's just, stop saying it because it's not true. Words are like a tattoo. They last and they sit on you. But you give power to words of slander and gossip when you are willing to sit and to listen to them. And so that is also our responsibility. We know that we learn in the book of Philippians, it says to do everything without grumbling or complaining. Why? Because it just pulls the energy You know when those people show up, it pulls the energy out of a room. By the way, the one who grumbles and complains is um, also pulling the energy out of a marriage. In fact, in some studies, it's literally a predictor of divorce. So with your tongue, you can build up or you can destroy. Our words carry far more weight than we recognize. Our words carry far more weight than we recognize. So here's James. He's helping to make sure that they recognize this. In James chapter 3, this is out of the entire New Testament. It's the most sustained discussion on the tongue that we have. There are other places where it's mentioned, but nothing this involved, this detail. And so we see that as James is unfolding this passage. And it's evident that James is, is steeped in wisdom literature. He knows the power of the word. And it's, it's obvious that he knows the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ because so many things that he mentions, you, it's as though you can hear his half-brother, the Son of God, Jesus uttering and saying and speaking to other people. He's already been walking through this amazing composition of, of, of words where he's developing our response. He's showing what our response to suffering and testing and temptation should be. And now he's saying, hey, it's going to be evidenced in the use of your tongue, what you speak to other people. It's a visible sign of Christianity. It's a visible sign. You're going, really? Yes, your words are a sign of your maturation in Christ and who you are as a believer. And so I want to look at this text beginning in verse 1 where he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Able also to bridle his whole body. What we immediately began to to be reminded of in these first two verses is the difficulty of taming the tongue. It is hard to tame the tongue. There's a difficulty to it, and James is acknowledging it right away. And we know that 
that James is also, he's calling out the importance of teaching and he's letting them know uh, the value of teaching in verse 1. That's important because he's saying, listen, if you're a teacher, you, there's this value that you have because you are influencing other people. And so then you have to measure how are you influencing other people and you do that primarily through the words that you speak. And he's, 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 he just says, listen, not many of you should become teachers. Why? Because you know that those who teach are going to be judged with greater strictness. You're going, if that means you are an influencer, and if you're an influencer, you better be influencing people toward Jesus, not self. That's why he's calling it out. So there's a difficulty. He's, he, just, he, he lets the people know there's a difficulty in taming the tongue. I get it. Why? Because anybody who doesn't stumble in what they say, they're a perfect man. We know that's no one other than Jesus Christ. And so he calls out this difficulty that they have. And then in a moment, what you're going to see is he begins to compare the tongue to a bit in the mouth of a horse. And he compares it to the rudder on a large ship. And this is what he says in verse 3 and 4. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. What he's doing in verses 3 and 4 is not only is he pointing out in the first couple of verses the difficulty of taming, taming the tongue, he's letting you know the power of the tongue. Uh, the example that I love here so much, and, and they're both powerful and they're both wonderful, but I look at this, it says this, it says that the ships, they're large and they're driven by strong winds. They can be pushed around by the currents and by the ways of the world. Think of it like that. And the society can be saying, go over here, go over here. Yet they are steered by a rudder. Your life, no matter what is happening around you, is steered by the words that you choose to speak. So you have a choice to make on what that will be. Has anybody here ever had words spoken to you that were hurtful or painful? Raise your hand. Everybody's raising their hand. There is a power in the tongue. It's a weapon and we're throwing it around carelessly. And James is pointing to that power and what they can do. Verse 5 and 6, it says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. He's letting us know the difficulty of taming the tongue, the power of the tongue, but he's also then reminding them the destruction of the tongue and what it can do. The chaos that it can create in life. 
a small spark can destroy an entire forest. So it is with the tongue. Words can consume. Words can destroy life. James is specific about the energy source for such destruction. The word here is actually, and it goes, that they, what they would do is they would have places outside of, uh, of cities that would just burn the trash, right? And it refers, the Valley of Hinnom uh, refers to that. It's just this constant burning. And he's referring to that in many ways. They would have been picturing this as he spoke such words. This continual fire, this continual blaze, this continual burning. And he's saying that's, like the, that's the power of your tongue. That's the destruction that it can cause in people's lives. What are you using it for? Even today to this point, it's 9.45 in the morning. What has your tongue been used for? Has it only been used for correction? Or has it also been used for encouragement? Has it been used to thrust people toward Christ? One of the things that God has taught me long ago, and the Word of God says that our words reveal our heart, but we need to remember also that our words reveal our heart. Yes, but they also inform our heart of what matters most. And we see that here in this passage. We are reminded of that. Luke 6.45, another passage for you to write down. Luke 6.45 says, The good person, out of the good treasure of their heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, that they produce evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So our words rebuild our heart, but they also reform, they inform your heart of what to be truth and who you desire to be. So here's really a question for us, is even today, tomorrow, as you walk through this next week, what are you doing? What are you saying today that is preparing you for how you can be used tomorrow? Our words will often reveal how someone can be used tomorrow. How God wants to direct you and shape you and to allow you to be that influencer, that teacher of others that's pushing them toward Jesus Christ. Some people out of pride, you use your words for correction more than anything else because you assume your way is always best. That's called pride and arrogance. That's how many of us use our words. We use our words for correction, but I'm trying so hard for myself. I, everything seems to be a life lesson, right? I got with my kids, everything that's happening, I'm always like, well, now see, here's the lesson that we can learn. And so what it does, it comes across as that exasperation of, uh, of children, I think. And it's this desire to teach, but if it's only coming across as correction, there's a problem. Some of you only want to tell others what they're doing wrong so they can look more like you, not necessarily more like Jesus. That's a problem. Some of you use your words to make sure that others know what you believe. You think you have a God-given right to express your view. As a Christian, you gave up that right. You now have the right and the privilege of declaring what God desires and not what you want for yourself. The tongue matters. I know how much it means to me because so many of you, you use your words 
to encourage me in what I do. It's amazing to me. And sometimes they're written on a small sheet of paper, and I get it, and it's sitting on my desk. And other times it's through an email or a text or a phone call. And those words of encouragement give me the boldness and the courage to keep doing what I do. I can't thank you enough. I know personally the power of our words if we're pushing others toward Jesus Christ. Keep doing it. When we recognize the significance of the tongue, this is the challenge that I have for you this week. The challenge is to do this. The challenge is by the end of tomorrow, I was going to say by the end of today, but I want to include a school slash work day in it. By the end of tomorrow, I want you to, to encourage with your words five people. And now I have rules to this. You're going to be like, can we just say five people? Only two of them can be family because some of you have a lot of kids. You'll be like, you're awesome. You're great at lunch. Okay, that doesn't count. (laughs) I know how you guys roll. I think about the parents. They just had a a fifth child. Lance and Perrin, one of our elders, he would just go down the road. Boom, boom, boom. I did it. No, it doesn't work that way. Five people. And only two of them can be family. Now, it doesn't mean you have to stop at five. So what I'm not saying is you can't encourage your other family members. But by the end of tomorrow, I want to challenge all of us. I'm included in this. To truly, to truly encourage someone else toward Jesus. Now, notice that I say encourage others toward Jesus. What I don't say is encourage them just... Be, you know, with a bunch of, uh, of fluff and pomp. Like, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Hey, nice sweater. That's not what I'm talking about. You want to encourage them toward Jesus. Which means, hey, I really appreciate this about you because I learned from that and I grow from that. Thank you. That's encouraging them toward Jesus, not because they have a nice sweater on. Five people by the end of tomorrow. Anybody in? Who's in? I'm making everybody else feel bad, right? I'm good with that on this. Your words matter. It's like that tattoo. And then your mom, you grow up, and they always say, well, you know, that's permanent. You don't want to do that. Words are the same way. How are you using your words? As we close, I want to do this today. I want to remind you of something that just really hit me, like as I'm standing here. Um, Some of you have had words spoken to you that were lies. And even though they were lies, those words sunk in. They went beyond the skin. Don't buy into the lie. Let God tell you who you are and not others. You are a child of God and you are loved by him. Amen.